0: Hello there, and welcome back to This Human Life podcast. I am Melissa Nova. This is the companion podcast to the book This Human, where I am progressively reading through the book cover to cover and embellishing the content with some stories, going deeper into some concepts, talking through the exercises and bringing the content to life. If you have the book, that's great. If you don't have the book, that's also fine. The content, hopefully, is interesting enough. It's kind of a cross between an audiobook and uh, a podcast. So let's dive straight in. We're starting from page uh, 95, which is where we left off in the previous episode, which was really focused on our blissful critique and how to give a really constructive critique and also how to receive it. And obviously a part of that is effective listening. So we're going to go through a framework which we've been using at Huddle for a while now, developed with Professor Harold Nelson quite a few years ago called The Listening Channels. And I have written about them in the book as well from two perspectives, one from the perspective of the listener doing the listening but also from the perspective of the person who's talking and so as you're talking what you what we're going to talk about is how you listen to the listening so that you know how to be talking into that listening can i say listening one more time i think i just did okay so let's let's go page 95 effective listening talking about your idea for the first time requires personal courage and faith In the people you are communicating with. Believing in yourself and your work puts the right kind of energy into the room. Having faith in your audience means believing they want you to do a great job. Trusting them allows them to feel trusted and affects the right kind of listening. Communicating effectively also means listening effectively and being open to new ideas and perspectives. Going into a communication session with a fixed expectation of how it will go can set you up for failure. It shuts off your listening skills and your ability to benefit from what is said. It is a great sign when your audience shows they are eager for you to succeed by asking lots of questions. The preparation you do before conducting a session sets up the type of listening that is required to really hear what's being said. Listening channels. There are various channels from which people listen, and you can use them in two ways. Number one, for insight into the different stances you take while you are listening. And number two, for insight into where others are listening from. This advanced perspective of listening for the listening gives you some guidance about where they are listening from and how they are listening this allows you to shake things up a bit or take another angle but first let's discover the listening channels channel 0 tuned out we all know how it feels to be bored out of our minds in a university lecture or by a presentation that feels like death by powerpoint if someone asks you a question you only become aware of it when you hear your name this is channel 0 From the point of view of the presenter, the audience members are checking their phones, staring out the window, picking their nails, or quite literally sleeping. Channel one, self. There's a whole interesting conversation, which I won't get into here, but around sleeping and how that, ...changes depending on uh, where you are in the world. I spent a lot of time in in Japan and, you know... ...shutting your eyes in in a meeting isn't that odd. But for us, uh, it is. (laughs) So that took a little bit of getting used to. Uh, Channel 1, self. When we embark on our own narrative about what we are hearing... ...I can't believe they've brought this up again. We've already made that decision we aren't really listening. When we are too busy listening to the dialogue in our own head or practicing what we are about to say next, the speaker is not being heard. Allowing them to be heard means that the message they are sharing has landed with you, regardless of your opinion of its content. So Channel 1 is really about listening to the thing that you're practicing saying. The example I use often When I'm talking through this framework is when you're sitting, it's a big group of people. It's the first time that you've met everybody and everyone's met each other and you go around the table and you do those introductions. When the person who's doing the introducing is a few seats away from you, you're probably still listening to what they say, but as it gets closer and closer, you start practicing how it is that you're going to summarize what you do and you you sort of drop into your Or you go up into your head and you're listening to yourself. That's what channel one feels like. Channel two, agreement. When you want the presenter to agree with you, you often search through what they are saying to seek that agreement. And I think I'm using the word presenter here because this is following the context of a critique. But this obviously stands for any situation where listening is required. Rather than listening openly to everything that is being said, you filter out anything that doesn't sound like agreement. This is what happens when we excitedly cut someone off mid-sentence. We think we have heard all we need to about their contribution. The danger with this channel is that we can mistake disagreement for agreement. It can result in people questioning bigger issues like trust and influence rather than realising this was simply a mistake in listening. Also, this channel is reinforced by our brain, which, you know, I often refer to it as a really, really advanced pattern matching device. So it's one to be um, really careful of. And the best way um, to do that is to really listen to everything that someone has to say before jumping in. Channel three, critical. This is the most famous and valued listening channel. It is developed and used in schools and wins you accolades and commendations at work. It is the ability to listen critically to what someone is saying, look for evidence to back up their claim or test the critical direction to see if it makes sense. Critical thinking is a linear thought process. It is convergent and deductive in nature. There is a time and place for deductive thinking, though we often apply it to situations that actually require a slightly different angle, such as generative thinking. So I'll give you an example when this channel can be really deflating. <laughs> when say you're a leader of a, of a design team and they've been working away on a project and they've just had an ideation session and they've come in and they have they're going to tell you about the idea that they've, they have want to explore further and they're, they're talking about abstract notions and how it might be and what they need to explore further and all of that and then you start asking questions like um, how long is it going to take and how much is it going to cost and who's going to work on it and what resources do you need and very how type questions. They can very quickly deflate the inspiration bubble that they may have. So critical thinking uh, and listening is obviously incredibly important in our jobs, but wisdom comes from understanding which channel to listen from in which context. Channel four, empathy. This listening channel has the intention to fully connect with what the presenter is saying and feeling. Empathic listening requires you to put your own motivations and drivers aside and focus on understanding what is being said. The intent is to understand the presenter's perspective and connect with their feelings. This allows you to fully appreciate what they are offering and to incorporate your own thoughts and comments into this context. The other person feels heard, which increases the impact of your feedback. Your humility and selflessness is very satisfying for the person communicating to you. You might find they become more relaxed and offer additional details and context that enhance your understanding. In the field of human-centered design, the ability to listen empathically to people is an essential ability. And Channel 5, so this is also, I um, had a conversation just last night about this, but, you know, there are many Indigenous customs and rituals around listening, where the person who's talking is speaking with the intention to be understood, and the person who's listening is listening with the intention to understand, and if you just sit with that for a second, even just the concept of the intention that sits behind why you're saying what you're saying, and it's what happens when you forget to put your phone on silent and the intention that sits behind the person who's doing the listening. You know, if we all had that very simple, clear intention when we communicated, I think a lot of our difficult um, conversations at work would actually run much more smoothly. Okay, channel five, generative. Generative listening almost always relies upon the listener having completely understood what is said. Understanding context and having empathy for the presenter allows the listener to enter a mode of co-creating with the communicator. When someone understands your idea, whether they agree with it or not, they are able to engage in a dialogue that is almost always generative. The trick is to also listen in a way that enables you to see their contribution as generative rather than aggressive or critical. Because they have empathy for your perspective, they are able to build upon your idea in a way that allays their concerns. Rather than criticizing your idea, they work with you to improve it. This is the space you should aim to create whenever you communicate an idea for the first time. The following framework offers questions you can ask yourself to gauge which listening channel you are using, This is a very helpful practice as it creates a sense of awareness about whether or not you are listening from the right place. Being aware of your listening helps you connect with your audience. Choosing a listening channel. We can occupy any of these channels and move between them at any time. The trick is to know you're doing it and to realize which channel you are listening from then to ensure it's the right one. So that's we're getting into mastery there. Okay, so on page 98, um, this is exercise 3.7 called Tuning Into Your Listening, I go through the six channels and um, just propose some uh, questions that you could be asking yourself to check which channel you're listening from and then to also make sure that you're listening to the right one. You're listening with the right one, I should say. All right, so channel zero, tuned out self-displacement not present question you might ask yourself is am I actually listening would I be able to answer a question if someone were to ask me right now channel one listening to self this can also be judgmental a judgmental place to listen from am I just waiting for them to stop talking so I can say my important bit am I practicing what I'm about to say next instead of listening intently to what is being said now and next channel, agreement, listening for the similarity, for the familiar, channel two. Am I listening for what is similar to what I already know or am I focused on whether or not they agree with what I've just said? Am I looking for allies in this conversation so I know who to direct my next comment to? Channel three, critical, listening for evidence, facts. Am I listening for proof that what is what they are saying is right? Am I looking for evidence to back up their work? Channel four, empathic, connected, listening from the speaker's perspective. Am I listening from a place that has no other motive but to connect with their perspective? Do I understand what it feels like to have that perspective? Now that's this is really important because we can often second guess, you know, people's motives for saying stuff and often we can just make but completely the wrong meaning and get our wires crossed. And the final channel, generative, having insight, listening from possibility. Am I using my empathy and insight into their context and motivation to help achieve the best outcome? Have I taken a position of possibility to ensure that we are able to generate a meaningful alternative? And these two Uh, channels the empathic and the generative listening channels they're essential listening channels for intentional communication and for human-centered design work. Resonance. A scientific perspective of verbal communication is that as we speak audible symbols carry meaning. These energetic emissions travel from you through the audible network in the group and arrive at the next person. This person will either be open to receiving that symbol or not. If they are open, it has the opportunity to resonate with their energy. If they are not, the opportunity for resonance is not there and there may be a greater probability of dissonance. Thinking of your role as communicator, as being the person responsible for achieving resonance with your audience, allows you to become more aware of their listening. It is useful to know which listening channel your audience is using. This gives you insight into what frequency you need to transmit at. If your audience is listening to you from a critical channel, then you need to communicate about the practical pragmatic evidence based of your work. Knowing when your thoughts and ideas are resonating with your audience requires you to be interested and engaged with everyone you are communicating with as long as the group is small of course. There are cues in the words they use, the way they hold their body and the depth of their questioning. The following framework gives you tips on how to assess your audience's listening. Talk less, listen more. When you communicate your work you get very excited. You're eager to make sure everyone knows all the tiny details about what you've discovered. This can lead you into a trap though. You might find yourself excitedly talking at the audience rather than connecting with them. Another downfall is that your ears turn off. You become momentarily deaf to what is actually going on in the room and you miss the subtle cues coming from your audience. In this moment, you are completely absorbed in your own world. It is hard to fight the urge to go all in, both feet first, to describe everything in totality. That's essentially what you are there to do. You're the only one with the knowledge, not your audience, but listening is just as important as talking. If you get too carried away, you won't get other people's perspectives on your work because they won't have the opportunity to ask questions. For people who are insecure about their work, talking is a great strategy to avoid questions. If that's why you're talking, there's probably a more important issue you need to address and it's usually to do with whether you feel confident and proud of your work and comfortable speaking to people. If you don't, you should really find out why. You cannot connect people with your knowledge if you aren't in their world. That's the big quote on page 101. So just a little point on the talk less, listen more aspect. We often feel uh, pressure to fill in the gaps in conversation, and especially if you're a leader, you feel like you need to be the one to answer. One of the things that I've learned in working with many leaders in lots of different stages of their careers is that they feel this pressure to have the answers, and they can demonstrate that they have the answers by providing the direction, by being the one to answer. And, you know, I have asked several times for people to try action experiments so just as an aside I have a coaching practice and help leaders embed some of these things that I'm talking through in this human but also I have a a deep leadership program which is a combination of neuroscience and high performance and human-centered leadership and to embed some of the the curriculum that's in that program there's the people that work with me go through a series of action experiments and those action experiments are little things that you need to do in the, in the two-week gap between our sessions. And a common action experiment that I set for people is to, for the next two weeks, to not be the first person to talk and not be the first person to answer a question in the room. And if everyone is silent and looking at you because that's their expected behaviour, that you're going to be the one to talk up, just sit there and let the silence be because eventually someone's going to say something. And, you know, I can still feel a couple of them cringing at the idea of them doing that for the next two weeks. But I have to say that when they come back, you know, some of them have said, I didn't, I've, I've learned so much about people. <laughs> and when you provide them with the space, they offer information. And one person said that they're asking better questions. So listening and allowing the silence is, is actually really, really, really important. Okay, let me do this and then we're going to wrap up. Say exercise three point eight on page one hundred and two. Listening to listening. So this is how to this is how to pick where someone is listening from, and also to use the way that it, the listing might feel on your side of the table as a bit of a clue. So um, tuned out. What they do: ask you to repeat your question, or jump when you address them, or quite literally fall asleep. How you might feel as a result of that is disempowered. Channel one, self, what they do, cut off your sentences before you finish them, reaffirm a point that is irrelevant to what you've said, answer different questions to the ones asked and you might feel frustrated as a result of that type of listening. The next is agreement, channel two. Only They might only respond to a part of what you've just said, the part that supports their point of view, and ignore the rest. They might reframe what you've shared in support of their agenda. Not a bad thing if the, their agenda is in line with the outcomes of the design activity or project or whatever you're leading towards is all aligned. And the way you may feel with that type of listening is incomplete. Critical, Channel 3, they, if they're listening from this channel, they'll be asking for quantifiable indicators as evidence that your work is sound. They'll ask for what they are actually going to get or what is the tangible thing at the end of this. Um, look for the fact base and seek traceability as you're talking to someone who's listening from this place. And you might actually feel tired as a result of this type of listening because the questions that come uh, typically require you to do analytical thinking, which you know, it feels like a good workout, tired. Uh, okay, channel four empathic. They'll be asking really insightful questions about your work, relate your work to their own personal context, work with a metaphor you've used, and share their perspective within it. And you will feel connected and understood if someone's listening from this place. And then the final channel, generative. They'll be asking questions that further your thinking. They'll be making suggestions about interpretations of your work or applications of your design. And typically this makes you feel excited and supported. So the reason why I've included the emotions that you may be feeling as well is so that you can start working with your emotions to help augment your thinking and There's a lot of wisdom in our bodies that we don't typically tap into. Okay, we're going to... This is a little bit longer because I wanted to finish this chapter. So we start a new chapter next month. All right, so to sum up, communication isn't a one-way street. Your ability to make an impact relies heavily on your ability to effectively communicate your ideas, thoughts, and perspective to different audiences. The intention that informs the content of your communication should also inform the words you choose, the medium you use and the audience you select. Being clear about why you are communicating and what outcome you are hoping for will help you make these decisions deliberately and effectively. Listening skills set good communicators apart. Mastering your ability to tune into the listening of others in the room lets you tailor your communication style to make sure your message is heard and understood. Being mindful of your own listening also goes a long way toward ensuring your work has impact. Alright, so this is the last page. We're on page 105 next. Solving the world's trickiest challenges cannot be achieved on your own. In the next chapter, we explore how you create heartfelt connections with other people. I'm looking forward to that. So that's chapter four, Connection. So that starts on page 107. And that finishes chapter three. So we've covered a whole bunch there. Chapter three is quite dense. And I I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to go and check out some more stuff about any courses that you want to do on on So deep diving into the content in the book or there's a whole bunch of free stuff as well that you might find useful like worksheets and downloads and that sort of stuff. Head over to thishuman.com and have a bit of an explore there. There's a neat little community that we're going to get happening over on Mighty Networks. I'll put the, the link in the show notes and if you're interested and also if you want to check out the coaching options if you're interested in working with me one on one go to melisssonova.com and see what's there thank you for being here thank you for listening and hopefully we'll uh, connect again in the next episode (laughs) thanks for listening bye